Welcome to Naked Without Shame, Theology of the Body and What It Means to Be Human. Our episode today is called God Wants to Marry Us. We'll be right back. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Open your hearts, open up your hearts to Christ. The reason life is the joy that comes from God and is found in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus Christ. He is the hope of the world. I'm your host, Kelly Reed. And I'm co-host, Kerrigan Gardner. Yes, and we are so glad that you are able to join us. Um, we'd like to give a plug to the Awakened Nation. If you enjoy this show and other shows that are put on by Awakened Ministries, um, go to awakencatholic.org slash donate. And if you're able to make a contribution, it can be a one-time contribution or monthly, whatever amount helps to keep this ministry going and to get these great programs out to everyone. Also want to give a shout out to the Hallow app. So this app is really cool. It's a Catholic meditation app. They have rosaries, novenas, nighttime meditation, so many options to choose from. And what's really awesome is if you go to hallow.app slash awaken, you can try the premium version for free for a month. Okay, wonderful. Well, today we're going to talk about love, specifically why God wants to marry us, but I think why we are so confused by love. And um, we just kind of get it wrong. We think everything is about love as a feeling. And um, so we're going to delve into that a little bit more. Right, right. I, I think that topic is so cool, like God wants to marry us. But before we get to that like exciting part, um, maybe starting with just what you said, what we get wrong in the day-to-day -day is trying to find our source of fulfillment, trying to find the happiness. So can you like, dive yeah, into that? I think that's really important. Um, what is our ultimate happiness? Because really everything that we do is motivated by this desire mm -hmm. to be happy. And sometimes even when we make decisions to do things we don't want to do, fundamentally it's still motiva motivated by the desire to be happy. So if we really, you know, dig deep and we look at why we have this great desire, we can see that, first of all, our happiness is ultimately found in love. Mm -hmm. And that love really and truly, when you get down to it, is God, because he is the source of all love. So he has actually created us with this God-sized hole in our heart, I guess you could say. And we go through life and we fill this hole and find happiness, um, but it never really lasts. So we'll say, for example, um, you know, I, I like shoes. So, oh, yes. you know, there's this pair of shoes that I really want that finally goes on sale. And mm -hmm. I, I go and I get, I get this great deal, these shoes that I love. And I've, I'm happy. I mean, okay. I really... Me be too. really happy, Me yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So you know what I'm talking about. But ultimately, that happiness isn't going to last. And so what we really need is to find what is the core of the true happiness that is going to last. And 
a lot of people will go through life filling this God-sized hole with all kinds of things, certainly material things, um, you know, money, um, food, uh, alcohol, drugs, sex, power, all mm -hmm. kinds of things. And while they might temporarily make us happy, ultimately they're going to leave us wanting. So until we can actually realize that it is God that we're seeking, we're going to keep looking and not having that satisfaction that we're designed for. Right, and and right. it's difficult for us because we we don't see clearly because of sin. Right, so. right. And you, you said it clearly, like God is love. And so... He is. God is love. That's what love is. Yeah, that's right. And if we if we look at God, I mean, as the Trinity, so God is these three persons in this communion of love. So we have God the Father who loves, God the Son, God the Son who loves the Father, and the love between the Father and the Son then begets the Holy Spirit. So we have this like triune, this triangle of these three persons, which is really I guess you could say it's like a family, the first family, mm -hmm. this communion of love. And so we can we can say that when we look at God in love, then what does that mean? And we can see that it's never in isolation because there always has to be someone to love. Mm -hmm. And we don't sit there and say, oh, I just love myself so much. I want to marry myself, <laughs> you <Right>. know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, certainly we're, we're called to love ourselves in terms of good self-esteem. Yeah, yeah. But um, to really love means that there has to be an other that we, that we share. And it involves, when we look at how God loves, this complete giving of self, this self-donation. And um, in Theology of the Body, the Pope calls that the call of the gift. Okay. So that to love, we are created as a gift that we want to give to the other. And in doing that, we look at what is best for the other. Mm -hmm. And that's that's truly what love is. Right. Yeah. That's so comforting. Just like as a daughter of God, but also someone who like loves other people and is mm -hmm. loved by other people. Mm -hmm. It's like you really want the best for the other person and that self-donation. It's that's, just so beautiful. It, it is beautiful. And our world really skews that. And as mm -hmm. we get into the programs later on, we're going to see as a result of sin what happened to love as God intended it to. You know, mm -hmm. we've kind of really messed it up. So. Right, anyway. right. So then how does God love? How does God love? That That is a really great question because you could just write dissertation after dissertation <laughs> on, on how God loves because he yeah. is so amazing. He is love. I mean, he, he mm. is love. But what the Pope has done is he's kind of synthesized it down to four different characteristics. And for me, that is really at the core of understanding the theology of the body. And it makes it very, very simple because it, bec it can become a yardstick on how we can tell whether or not we are mimicking God's love the way we're called to do. Mm. So those four elements are free, total, faithful, and fruitful. Mm -hmm. And so those those really are the core elements. But if we if we break them down for a minute, so um, that might help us a little bit. Yeah. Um, so to say that God loves freely, that means that there is nothing that forces God to love. And there is nothing that we can do to make God love us. It's simply a free gift. We can't earn it. Nothing like that. God mm -hmm. just completely gives to us freely. So that's the free aspect of God's love. The next one would be total. So God loves totally and completely to everyone, 
the same mm-hmm. way. He doesn't love one particular group or one person more than another. It can be the the worst sinner in the world, and God will love that person the same in the same completeness as he loves the greatest saint. So God's love is total. God's love is also faithful, which means there is absolutely nothing that we can do to make God stop loving us. I mean, we can reject God's love. We can turn our back. He will continue to pursue us. He is going to be faithful forever in his love for us. And the last aspect would be fruitful. So God's love is fruitful because it actually gives us the opportunity for new life. We have an opportunity for eternal life as part of this free gift. So when we look at how God loves freely, totally, faithfully, and fruitfully, we can see the model that we are called to imitate. So what God does then is he creates us in his image and likeness. Okay? And we are called to love as he loves. And it's so cool because he actually stamped it right in our bodies as male and female. And he calls us to be a gift to the other. Mm -hmm. So this is why God creates us male and female. So that we're going to be able to mimic how God loves. So he could have made us all the same. We could be identical, you know, like little robots. Um, We could be asexual where we just would simply procreate with ourselves. But I think God said, no, it would be much more fun if I make them male and female. And they're called to be this gift to each other. So then they can come together in this gift and what is known as the the one flesh union or the marital act. And in that act, then we can mirror how God loves in the Trinity. But it's important to say that there is no sex within the Trinity. There is no physical sex, mm-hmm. and because that would be a major heresy. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, God is spirit, so there there can't be there can't be. Mm-hmm. But it's the essence of that, the essence of self donation, and this is where we get hung up on it uh, when we talk about you know the one flesh union or the marital act, you know the actual act of sex. Um, so why is sex so important? That's a great question because. God is spirit, so there is no physical sexual um, interaction there. That would that would be heresy. Um, but for us, created as physical beings, as sexual beings, God has created that so that we have the opportunity as male and female to come together then and mimic how God loves. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this outward sign. Right, so. right. And so it's like a sacrament. Like, Actually, it is a sacrament. It, it, it is. Well, marriage certainly is a sacrament. Yeah, and yeah. and John Paul in Theology of the Body talks about the sacramentality of the body. So that's, that's really cool. It is. It's really neat. So when we think about, you know, what a sacrament is, the seven sacraments, they are outward signs that give grace. Mm-hmm. And so while the body is not an actual sacrament, it does mimic a sacrament because it is an outward sign. So like the seven sacraments, let's say, for example, um, baptism. In baptism, the outward sign is going to be the water and the oil of anointing and the flame of the candle. So that that is what is visible. But it makes visible something that is invisible. And the invisible of the sacrament of baptism is that it welcomes us into the family of God. Mm -hmm. It forgives all of our sins. Um, Maybe even a better example would be the Eucharist. So the Eucharist, the invisible, is the the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And yet it's under the visible form of bread and wine. Mm 
So what the body does, what our bodies do through the act of the marital act or the one flesh union is it allows us to make visible something that is invisible. So through that union, what is it that we're making visible? We're making visible how God loves in the Trinity, even though in the Trinity, there is no sexual act, but it goes beyond this. It's like this complete gift of self-donation, freely, totally, faithfully, and fruitfully given. And that's what we are called to. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And it's so interesting because, I mean, I've been Catholic my whole life, but still, like, when I, like, witness a baptism or even, like, receive Holy Communion, I'm telling myself, this is Jesus Christ. Yes. But still sometimes that, like, mind-spirit connection, I'm, like, I sometimes feel like I can't catch up. Like, sometimes they're not on the same level. So, I mean, I, I see it today in our world. It's, like, we can't fully understand the beauty of sex and like seeing free total faithful and fruitful in that because it's I mean it's a lot to to grasp and to think through and yeah there's it, a lot being it really, there's a lot of invisible it, it, going it really on. is and all we have to do is look at the culture to see that yeah there's no clue about what this means out there, really. Because if we can grasp this, if we can really understand why God made sex in the first place and that what it actually means for us to experience that, for those of us that are called to experience that, mm -hmm. then it, it can completely change a relationship. It can completely change a marriage. Right. It can add a, a depth to it that maybe a couple has not experienced. It did that in my in my own marriage because it just made me realize there's so much more going on here mm -hmm. than you know I ever contemplated. As a matter of fact, I'd like to share with you John Paul's thesis for yeah, theology of the body because he says the body and only the body is capable of making visible what is invisible the spiritual and the divine. So the body, which is visible, can make the spiritual and divine seen and known because it is invisible. It has been created to transfer into the visible reality of the world, the mystery hidden from eternity by God, and thus to be a sign of it. So this is a big deal. I mean, it the fact is. that God creates us male and female stamps this call to be a gift in our body and gives us the opportunity to do that is huge. Mm -hmm. It's huge. And it will explain why the world is in the mess that it's in when we, you know, get move along a little bit further. So, um, right. Right. Yeah. So if we dive into marriage, like why is sex so sacred? within a marriage, of really seeing how God loves. Because what is the purpose of marriage? The purpose of marriage is, well, obviously for the couple, mm -hmm. and to, they can help each other get to heaven. Also, to be open to children, if that's what God decides to bless a couple with, and to raise those children. So ultimately, it, it is about within that family unit to get to know God, to get to heaven. And it helps us to understand that in our broken human state, so to speak. So. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, we think ahead and there's no sex in heaven, is there? No. There no. is no sex no. in heaven. There's. <laughs> we could kind of think of it like this. Um, when you go on a trip, 
you know, you can you can look at a map and you can get on the road and you can drive and there will be signs along the way that are going to point you to your destination. Mm-hmm. That's that's what the sacraments do. Right. So within marriage, that's kind of what sex does. It kind of points us towards the goal of heaven. But once on your trip, you get to the place where you're going, when you get to you know, your vacation spot or whatever, you don't need a map to tell you how to get there anymore. You don't need, um, you know, the signs because you're there. You're Mm -hmm. there. So that's why in heaven, the heavenly marriage is so different than the earthly marriage. It's the fulfillment of it. It's it's even more um, than we can possibly imagine. And that's why we won't need sex in heaven because we're not going to just be with our spouse, we're going to be with God in the fulfillment of everything that we could have possibly imagined. And so that's really the beauty of this heavenly marriage that we are called to and the fact that God wants to marry us. Right, right. But we're not there yet. No, we're not (laughs) there. God willing, we will be. So we like dial it back to where we are right now on this earth and in the context of marriage. Mm -hmm. Like how does God love through marriage or I don't yeah. did that question make sense no I, I know what you're I know what you're talking about it's really we could just flip it and say so how does how does marriage then mimic you know God but I guess yeah. maybe let's talk about when you get married and, and being a newlywed this mm-hmm. is probably very fresh in your mind yeah but as a Catholic when you come to get the sacrament to receive the sacrament of marriage um, the couple is asked questions by mm-hmm whoever is celebrating their marriage, a priest or deacon. And these questions are are very interesting, and and you'll see where I'm going with this. So the first one would be, do you come here freely and without reservation to give yourselves to each other in marriage? So basically, free and total. Mm -hmm. Are you willing to come without any reservation? You're giving your consent which is the primary element of you know wanting to get married you have to give have to give that consent and then um that total, that total self-donation, sort of like you're going to give yourself to each other in marriage. It's not like, well, I'm going to give myself five days a week, but on the weekends, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. It has to be total. <laughs> it has to be total. The second question would be, will you honor each other as man and wife for the rest of your lives? So that would be faithful, you know, till death do us part. Mm-hmm. And then finally, will you accept children lovingly from God and bring them up according to the law of Christ in his church? That's the fruitful aspect. Mm-hmm. So it's the couple is being asked to be open to whether or not God chooses to bless them with children. So certainly not every marriage has to have children to be happy and content and successful. But that openness is key. Right. It's key. So it's only within the context of marriage between one man and one woman committed for life that sex can actually be a mirror or an icon of how the Trinity loves, of how God loves in the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those he, vows are so powerful. They are. They are. And and it and this is why God put this boundary around sex because mm-hmm. anytime it's experienced outside of that boundary, there will be consequences again, and right. there will be pain. And and maybe just as an example, we can look at something like um like fornication. Okay, so fornication word in the Bible, it's, it's, you know, premarital sex. It's having sex Mm -hmm. outside of the sacrament of marriage. And one really easy way to see why 
God teaches, as he does in this, as is articulated through the teachings of the church, is to apply the free, total, faithful, and fruitful. So if we have a couple that is very much in love, but they're not married yet, can they freely enter in to this act? Well, yes, they can. I mean, they can certainly freely enter into it. If they don't, if they don't, then it's a crime, okay? The next element would be total, okay? Total gift, total gift. Can this couple give to each other totally and completely outside of marriage? What do you think? This is a trick question. No, it's not really a trick question. <laughs> I feel like physically, yes, but physically. not not within the context of their relationship. Because there's nothing there that guarantees that it's going to be held together. They haven't made exactly. that commitment. Right. They have made that yeah, commitment. No so there. physically, yes, but it really isn't a total gift of self because they haven't made this promise to each other yet. Mm-hmm. So the next step would be faithful. Well, it's faithful for now, but the, again, they've not made that commitment to each other. So mm-hmm. it's n- it's not within marriage, within the covenant of marriage, and so therefore we can't say that it's faithful necessarily. And then fruitful. Well, if it's fruitful. Then they have an issue that they have to deal with because that's a pregnancy outside of marriage, which today is not as big a scandal as it used to be when I was growing up and stuff. But So that would be an example where we right. could apply free, total, faithful, and fruitful. And, I mean, if you look at adultery, so you have somebody who's married, but they're in a sexual relationship with someone who's not their spouse. Mm-hmm. So is it freely entered into? Yes. Is it a total gift of self? No, you can't give yourself totally to someone when you've made the commitment to be totally committed to somebody else. Is it faithful? No, it's not. Is it fruitful? Well, if it is, then there's a scandal there. So I look at the free, total, faithful, and fruitful as the four legs on a stool. And if you pull one of the legs away, the stool's going to fall over. So you have to have all four for it to be legitimately a mirror of how God loves in the Trinity then. So it makes it very easy, I think. Not everybody will like that, but it does make it easy. (laughs) Right, yeah, it's simple. And I love that that stool. So if sex is such a big deal, then what about people who don't get married? Are they missing out? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. Because basically there are two ways that we live out our lives, either married or single, you know, Mm -hmm. and celibate, you know, um, Probably not in this culture so much, but but that's the way it would be intended. And so not everybody's going to be called to marriage, either by choice or either by circumstance. There are certainly a lot of people that maybe want to get married, but it just they haven't found the right person or whatever. So does that mean that they miss out? No, it it doesn't mean that they have to miss out at all because we're all created. Well, some people are created. Well, most people probably, for the earthly marriage, because that's what keeps the race going and everything, we're all created for the heavenly marriage. So God, you know, wants to marry all of us. And we have this ache within us for this union with God, which goes back to this happiness that we desire. And so if a person is not called to marriage in this life for whatever reason, they are able to still go ahead and fulfill part of that union with God and experience the heavenly marriage here on earth. And I'll give you kind of an example of this. Well, I I think this is really um, an interesting statement, and I I go back to Christopher West, who I've talked about in in other episodes, but um, 
he really is brilliant at the way he's able to articulate so much of John Paul's theology of the body and Mm -hmm. put it in a way that we can understand it. And he said, while the marital act looks to mimic God's original plan for us, so sex is what God originally planned for us through creation, celibacy looks to mimic God's ultimate plan for us, which is heaven. Mm -hmm. So just because someone is not married in this life doesn't mean that they're missing out because they can actually start to embrace what the heavenly marriage is all about. And um, I I just look at so many of the, the wonderful priests we know and the religious that we know who have, they have um, foregone earthly marriage so that they can give of themselves in a different way to God's people. Mm -hmm. So they don't limit themselves just to one spouse or one family, but rather they make themselves more available, not in a sexual sense, but certainly they're able to bring God to so many other people. And and single people can do this too. You don't have to be a consecrated religious or, you know, have a a priestly vocation or anything like that. So single people are able to do this too. And as a matter of fact, I have a friend who, um, she was discerning marriage and she was engaged and she was just really struggling. She loved this man very, very much and she wanted to be with him, but she also loved God so much more. And she realized, she said to me one day, she goes, I just love too much. And that really struck me. And I thought, wow, wow. So, you know, it's, this is why it's important for people to really discern what God is calling them to in terms of their vocation. Are they called to marriage? Are they called to religious life or the priesthood? Are they called to live a single life where they are able to, you know, start experiencing that heavenly marriage here on earth? Right. So. We're, you know, we're all called to that heavenly marriage. So what does that look like for us today? Well, it's not. It's certainly not, like I said, to review. Uh, it's not a sexual union at all. Mm-hmm. But if we can start to understand why God created us male and female in the first place, that um, this gift of our sexuality, this call to be a gift, is so important that God actually put the boundary around it that's called marriage. And so that... That is is very precious, and so that marriage is holy and it is sacred. Well, sex is holy and it is sacred within within marriage, but that people who are not called to marriage can still experience God's immense love and that perfection of God's love in the Trinity mm-hmm. through self donation, freely, totally, faithfully, and fruitfully. Not in a sexual sense, right. but even beyond that. And so, I think it it gives us hope for all of us that we have so much more to look forward to. And, you know, marriages certainly don't always work out. We know so many people who struggle with divorce and separation and broken relationships and all things like that. So I'm not belittling any of that at all, but simply saying that if we can really get the bigger picture and understand that there's so much more here, that God really wants to love us in such a complete way that we can't even fathom it, that um, it gives us a different perspective on the relationships that we're in during Mm -hmm. this life. And hopefully um, we'll add a depth there and, um, and make them even stronger as we seek to, you know, uh, follow God. 
Yeah, absolutely. Always room for growth. (laughs) Always room for growth. So on that note, uh, we'll sign off. But thank you for joining us. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time on Naked Without Shame. This show and all media on Awakened Catholic is made possible by the Awakened Nation and the Hollow app. The Awakened Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hello.app slash awaken.